Thanks, bro. Junior high, you have a class to go to. Mr. Karakap is back there waiting on you. And ushers, if you want to pick up the connection cards as they come down this end, that would be great. So this morning, you know, our ladies are gone on the retreat. I told Betty, I said, don't cook food. I'll make sure we're taken care of. So I ran by BJ's and bought a bunch of frozen pizzas, you know, and all kinds of stuff like that. We're doing just fine at home. Just fine. Lots of frozen food, and we're good. Root beer for Owen. Everything's fine. <laughs> Betty called as I was walking over here from church, and, he, and, he, and I said, it's your mama. And he goes, Mama, come home. I thought we were fine. <laughs> now, he's eating pizza and watching movies. That's what we're doing, you know? We're having a great time. Um, Evan King, where are you? Where are you? Great job lip syncing. <laughs> I couldn't tell at all. Yeah. No, for real, you did a great job. I'm proud of you. You're leaning again in two weeks. Good job. I think it's great when we talk about equipping and we talk about what we want our ministry to look like. Today was a great example. We have a young man leading service, leading us in worship for the first time, did an outstanding job. You have Tom stepping up for the first time to lead in communion. Like that, those are good things. Those are very good things. And we appreciate you both of your leadership very much today. You both did a great job, really good job. All right, let me see. You ever have um, lines, words, phrases, quotes, whatever you may say it, I don't know, that when you hear them, you know them immediately. You know where they came from, you laugh at them maybe, you, I don't know, but they, they send you someplace, right? So, let me just give you a quick quiz and see how many of you know the same lines I might know. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Princess Bride. Yeah. Anyone? What's your, who said that, Princess Bride? You, Jenna? What's your, what's your other favorite line from Princess Bride? Mawidge. Thank you very much. I want to do that at a wedding really soon. I want to stand before him and go, Mawidge. Yeah. That's an idea for your wedding, right, guys? Neither of them are saying yes. All right. You know, or, um, or a song, our song, this is only for the old people in the room and probably people who have part of their memory missing. If you don't eat your meat, how can you have any pudding? Pink Floyd, The Wall. I don't know, but it just stays with you. It's like an earworm, you know, and you just, you hear him saying it, you know. And then here's a more recent one. Taylor Swift, there you go. Yeah. Taylor Swift, yeah. Speeches. Roosevelt, yeah. 1941, December. Speaking after the Japanese. Phrases. You know, you don't know the rest of the speech, but you know exactly what he's talking about. You know what I mean? You, you know the context, you know. You intended to harm me. Joseph, speaking to his brothers in Genesis. When his brothers show up needing food, and he says, what you intended for harm turned out to be good, because here we are, you know, right? How about this one? 
Samuel, yeah. And you know what? There are so many really funny lines in Scripture, too. That you're like going, Can you, I mean, you're supposed to be a prophet. You're not supposed to say things like that. It's supposed to be all spiritual things. But he goes, what is that bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? He's taunting, you know, right there. Yeah, he's, he's with Saul right there. It's Saul's disobedience there. How about this one? There you go. I'm not, no, I'm not pointing to anyone in service at all. But Carl Payne did remind me that right after this, bears came and ate those kids. That's right. Um, the youth taunting Elisha. There you go. Yeah. Ruth. Yeah. And so you read the passage, you, you, you're reminded. This is Ruth. In the very early, in first chapter of Ruth, as, as um, Naomi has lost her husband and all of her sons, and all she has is daughters-in-law. And, and she says, go to your people. And two of them go to their people, to back to Moab, Moab, and they stay in Moab. But not this one. Ruth says, no, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And then there's this one. Esther. That's right, Esther. And who knows but that at you have come to a royal position for such a time as this, from Esther, exactly, chapter um, chapter 4, verse 14. In the book of Esther in the Old Testament, it tells a story of a young Jewish woman who is in captivity or exile in, in Persia. And in the vacancy for the queen, the king says, gather up all the best of the lot, purify them, clean them up, spiff them up, and I'm going to pick one for a wife. And in God's forbearance, in God's wisdom, Esther is chosen. So she's in the royal palace, and there's a plot against the Jews to eliminate them, to massacre them. And she gets a message from her uncle and says, perhaps it was such a time as this, this moment that you were placed in such a position with that man that you may save us. Such a time as this. Well... Today, that event in the Jewish nation is now celebrated called Purim, and it's considered to be the happiest of Jewish holidays. The name Purim means lots, which, like a rolling dice, you know, like that, like they threw lots for Christ's clothing. And that was how they, they determined when the Jews would be destroyed, by throwing lots to choose the date. So the Jews' fate was reversed when Esther came in and she pleaded for the lives of her people with the king, and he issued another edict that made the Jews able to defend themselves and turned an event that would have been tragedy into an event that was joyous redemption. And that holiday is observed nowadays. Last year when we were in, in Israel, um, we, got to, was, we were there during Purim, and so we saw them celebrating Purim there, and the girls would all wear little tiaras like the queen, and the boys would all have swords like uh, Mordecai, you know, I'm assuming it's Mordecai. No one acted out Haman's part, which is probably good, since he kind of got it, took it in the neck. And, but so, and so the holiday is observed with, with them dressing up and doing plays that tells the story of Esther. Um, they have, you know, snacks that they eat, Haman's, Haman's hat or Hamatashen. Um, and the tradition is to read the book of Esther. As it's because it's a smaller book. It would be in a smaller scroll, and it would be read all at one time. It was called the Megillah. 
Now, do you, have you heard that term before? The whole Megillah? That's where it comes from. Because you read the whole book. And so you hear someone say, yeah, we had to sit through the whole Megillah. In other words, it's talking about anything that's long and drawn out. Although it's a short book, it's only four chapters. And so it's a tradition. So that's where they use the phrase and that's what they do. On February the 24th, here, 23rd, excuse me, we're having a Purim party. And it's, and it's to have this celebration for, for Purim. And there's probably, there's only a couple of you in this room that really qualify to be celebrating it, you know. Two of you, Larry and Peruse, and your children, you know. Jenna, you qualify, I know. And so, um, you know, those, these are the people who would be celebrating Purim by ethnicity. And yet we get invited into that because it's, it's part of our culture now as well as that, that our, our Savior, he, he, our God in his wisdom, brought this story to bear. And he just teaches us how he intervenes in moments and times and puts people in places so that he shows his powerfulness, his grandeur, his ability to step in and to do what he wants to be done. See, the, the, the whole thing about Esther was that if you can kill off all the Jews, then you can stop the Redeemer from coming. That's what happened with Hitler. That's what happened in Persia. That's what's happened every time. The enemy knows who the Jews are, and that's why he hates the Jews. That's where the Messiah comes from. His chosen people, his people that he said, if you bless them, I will bless you. If you curse them, I will curse you. So with as many Jewish friends and family we have in our area, the Purim party, the Hanukkah party, Rosh Hashanah, the Seder, are all opportunities to equip us, going back to last week's, last week's topic, to equip us to give us the tools to reach out and build relationships, gospel relationships, with Jewish friends and family. And so, you know, if you have uh, children in your classroom and your children in your children's classroom are Jewish, hey, we're celebrating Purim at our church. We'd love for you to come out. We're going to be playing. We'll have a little pageant where everyone, all the children are going to come and make their own costumes. Mark Nichols is going to do magic for us. We'll have crafts. We'll have a melodrama. The puppets are doing something there. It'll be about two hours, thereabouts or so. They'll have hamantasha and they get something to eat. And so it'll be a great opportunity just to come and do something that's neutral in a sense. It's just going to be celebrating a party, but it's more about what they are used to, and it's, it's coming into their turf, so to speak. I'd really encourage you to t- find the opportunity to use it. If you can't use it because you really don't have someone in your life like that, then I'd really like to know that you're praying about that. It'd be great to have you praying for that event. Now, um, let me see, is there something else I want to say about that? And so, anyway, I want to keep that in front of you. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment and touch on that just a little bit more. This morning, we're in a series where we're discussing the ministry emphasis for this year of transformation, equip, send, and serve. We talked about transformation over for a couple of weeks. We talked about it being a life that is, that is changed from being conformed into the world, Right? We talked about that it's not being reformed. It's not being nicer people. It's not saying please and thank you and yes ma'am and no ma'am. And like I always say, you don't turn right on red anymore. It's not being nicer. It's that you're transformed with the Spirit of God changing you from the inside out. And things begin to happen in your life that you can't explain. Things begin to happen in your life that you can't produce on your own. Forgiveness. Grace. Hard stuff. He begins to do inside of us. So that's, that's what transformation is like. And then last week we talked about equipping. And we talked about how equipping is, is stepping forward and realizing that we are all intended 
for ministry. Every member a minister. And we are all intended for ministry. And so therefore, if we all have something that he's called us into, then we have to know what it is and we have to be equipped for it. We have to be trained for it. We have to have the tools for it so we can do it well to honor him, to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Today we're talking about scent. Now, now we've talked about this particular topic a lot around here. But today I want to unpack it a little bit more in a different way than we've done in the past, perhaps. But still, you're going to hear some of the same kind of stuff. Now, being sent, you know, for most people it sounds scary. Because immediately they're thinking missions. Immediately they're thinking, I have to go someplace. And, you know, there's the old song I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I got what it takes. I'm not Tarzan. I'm just a man. I don't like lions or snakes. You know, and that's the, that's the herald, the, the song about, this is why I don't want to be a missionary. I'm not that one. And so that might be true. You might not be that one, and God knows it, and that's why he hadn't sent you. But his intent is to send. And his intent is to send people from our congregation to other places. His intent also is just to keep our people in our congregation and in our community. So we're not all intended to go to, to Africa and serve with the Hamptons, or to serve in Haiti with the Mirrors, or to serve um, in Cambodia with, with the World Wars, which we've taken on last year, the nationals who are training other nationals. We're not all intended to be serving um, out of Marseille, throughout the whole North Africa region, or in Kensington. That's not what he's intended for all of us. But he does intend to send all of us. He does intend to send all of us. Matter of fact, you know, the thing is, and we're going to, again, we're going to be speaking on this same type of topic, is that if he is our master, if you say that you are his follower, then it's incumbent upon you to do what he does. Christian means like Christ. Disciple of Christ means that you take on what he teaches you and you practice it and you make it part of your own values, you make it part of your own lifestyle And so what he says is this. He says that I was sent. I was sent. Look at John 8, 28 up there. It says, and he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now then, right there, do you remember? That is one of our topics from being equipped from last week, because we talked about that as we are equipped as ambassadors. And that an ambassador always takes the message that the king sends him with. And here Christ is saying, like, I'm an ambassador. I was sent with a job to do. And I always do what's pleasing to him. I am sent. So if our Lord is sent, if our standard is sent, if our master is sent, if our our example is sent, well, he says, uh, this is the, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to the will of him who sent me. There's another reinforcement of that. He came to do only what God has t- sent him here to do. But then he goes on to say this. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Kind of John's version of the Great Commission. He says, I was sent, therefore you're sent. Now then, it's interesting how we read Scripture because I think the preponderance of people read that verse and what they hear in their head is, peace be with you, as a father has sent me, I'm sending someone else. 
but it doesn't speak to me. He's talking about rich. Thank God for rich. He's sending rich. I'll pray for you, rich. I'll send you money, rich. Thank God for rich because he's sending rich. No. The verse says me. The verse says you. There are no exclusions. It didn't say those who like spiders and snakes. It, it doesn't, it's not asking for your preferences. It's not doing that. It just says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Later on, this is the passage you might be more familiar with out of Matthew 28, where it is called the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That sounds like being sent, doesn't it? Frank, we agree? We agree. Frank and I agree. That sounds like go, be sent. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything which I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. That passage right there packs in so much stuff, that's why rich can go with such great confidence all around the world. That passage has so much in it, so much packed into it, that's why that passage sends me and you also. It doesn't apply just as someone going to spiders and snakes. It applies to all of us equally. Here we are again in Acts. His, one of the his last things he's saying here. He says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let's think about this. Have you ever, ever, ever seen a movie and there's a death scene? And it's, you know, and and the person is lying there dying. And they begin to speak. And everyone goes, don't worry about it, it's not important. No. The words, the last words of a dying man, the last words of anyone, when we know it's the last words, are always important words. These were some of the last words the disciples heard before the Lord left. You would be my witnesses in Newtown, South Bucks County, Philadelphia, to the ends of the earth. They must have been important words for him, for those to be the words he said before he left. When we think about what it means to be sent, when we think about what it means, what he's asking us to do, everyone conjures up their most terrifying thought, and that is the standard. Everyone conjures up the the worst case scenario, and they say, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> um, Baron King used to have this thing he'd say to me whenever I was worried about a situation. I'd talk to him about it. We'd pray about it. And then after it's done, he goes, was it as bad as you thought? No, it never was. But we always, always are worried about the worst case scenario. We're thinking we don't have what it's got. We're thinking, you know, some of us have been Christians all our lives. We're not going, what do I have to say to someone who doesn't know Christ? I don't have a story. Well, you've heard me share this story. 
And, and one of these, I'm, I'm going to get some new stories because I'm wearing all you guys out on them. This gentleman here is E. Stanley Jones, born in 1880, was, one of the, was a, a, a missionary to India. And he was about to preach his message, like his going away message before he left for India. And he had memorized it, as apparently was the custom for the day. And so as he's going up, he catches the eye of a pretty girl in the front row, and all of a sudden his concentration is broken. And so he thinks, oh, it'll come back to me. I've done this. It'll come back to me. I'll know what I'm supposed to say in a minute. And he gets here, and it's gone, baby. There's nothing there to say. And so he stands there, and he says, I'm sorry. I've forgotten my sermon today, and I am not fit to be in this pulpit. So he said as he stepped away from the pulpit and he began to step down, he said that still small voice in his head says, can you not share with them what I have done for you? So he stopped. He took a place in front of the pulpit because he said he wasn't worthy to be in it. And he began to share simply what Christ had done for them. And he says, and it's in that moment that I learned what Christ had for me in India. Not to go be a Messiah, but to go be a messenger. To go to India and say, this is what Christ has done for me. To just do that. Well, that story in my life, I had to read that story. I had to read that story for a class in the summer of 1990. Betty and I had always talked about missions. Didn't really know if it was going to happen or not. I read the story and I said, and I have the journal entry still in my journal, that said, if that's all you're asking me to do, I can do that, Lord. And that set us on a path for missions that we pursued until 2003 when Owen was diagnosed with autism. And we thought we were going, but God changed that plan. But it was just that, that understanding of what the mission was of what it meant to be sent. It was to go and share what Christ has done for me. And so when we talk about being sent, and we talk about being sent to Council Rock, it doesn't mean that you have to stand out in front of the school and preach at the big colored rock. It means that you go and simply share what Christ has done for you. That's what he's asking you to do at Pensbury and at Neshamini, at Notre Dame, wherever your case you may be. He's not asking you to be a street preacher. He's asking you to have the opportunity to share what Christ has done for you and the relationships that he gives you. That's what he's doing to ask you to do in the workplace. That's what he's asking each of us to do, to simply go and share what Christ has done for us. And so let's just talk about that. Let's just confirm this. Let's make sure that we're all on the same page, that we're, we're kind of tracking with each other here is what we think that we might be hearing here. So let's, as a point of review, um, how many has God sent? Has he sent five? Has he sent five of us? You know, plus we support nationals overseas. Has he sent five of us? No. He sent more like 200 of us. Because we can just go down the list. Let me just start right over here. Right over here. Right here. Hi, Bridget. I just want you to know. You're sent. 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 Everyone in this section is sent. All of you are sent. All right? That makes that's part of our 200. Let's go in this section over here. Let's work this section over here. Jeremy, you're sent. But you already know that, brother. You're sent. You're sent. You're sent. You're sent. He didn't want to, but he had to. You're sent. You're sent. You're sent. You're sent. You know. He just, we're all sent. There's not anyone in this room that I can come up to, and I, there's not anyone in this room. There's no one in this room that I come up to and say, I'm sorry, but you're not sent. It's not true. 
It's, it, doesn't, it didn't happen. There's no exclusion. He says, you're sent. I'm sending you. I am sending you. Did you know what? He sent you. How about that? I sent you. So the fact of the matter is, though, is that, for instance, he says here, I'm sending you, and, and, and whether you want to take this as a strategy or not, it works. In Acts 1, he says, you know, some of you are going to stay right here in, in Jerusalem. I'm sending some of you right here. You're not going away. You don't have to move. You don't have to sell anything to leave to go and be sent. I'm sending some of you right here. And he says, some of you, I want to send you a little bit further. So Joe Darrow, Joe Darrow lived up here in the suburbs, just like all of y'all. But one day God's message of being sent was so immediate and so strong on him, he took his family and moved to Kensington years ago now. He was sent to Kensington. Second circle. And he says, now there's, then to all of Samaria. So maybe it means like, you know, like Val, Valerie Althaus, where her being sent was from Hershey, where she grew up, up to New York City, where she's working with international students. But then it goes on further. And, you know, and you could just say, it goes, it just keeps going further out. And so he says, to all areas of the world, I'm sending people. I'm sending people. And so for me, for me to be sent is there. That's where I'm sent. Right there, that's the house right there. That tree's no longer there anymore. It died. But, you know, I'm sent to that person there and that person there and that person there and that family there and that one there and that one there. That one up there and that one there and that one up there. And there's another one behind me that doesn't like me. He doesn't like my cat. But anyway, I'm sent to him anyway. I'm sent to all those people. That's where I was sent. Now then, we can do Google Earth for every single one of you. I can do Google Earth right here for Gary in Newtown in the borough, and that's where he'd be sent. You know, we do the same thing for Todd over there in Yardley. That's where he'd be sent. That's where we're sent. And now then, let's just look at this, though. Let's say that this is your workplace. Do you, you work in an office, Jack? You, and have cubicles and rooms? Yeah. So let's just say this is, this is Toll Brothers right here, and, and, and Jack works right there. That's where he was sent. But not only there, but he was, he was sent over there too, into that one over there. And, and he was just sent to that entire office, to every cubicle and the men's room. He doesn't go to the women's room. The men's room, he was sent. That's where Jack was sent. And, and what you hope for is that there might be other believers in there and you find out that we're sent together and that this is our place. This is our Judea. This is our Jerusalem. This is where I'm sent. But, and so, two thoughts then. Two thoughts I want you to really, one thought is you're sent. All right, you got that one? Do we need to review that further? We'll have a remedial class later for that. Actually, there is a remedial class right after the service. It's the follow-up to Freddie Coyle speaking. It's right after the service, right? That's the remedial class to this message, all right? Scott's leading that. So um, you're sent, and you might be local. But really think about this. You're not sent to that building. You're sent to those relationships in that building. And we've talked about that, haven't we? That for some of us, being sent is not a geographic thing, but it is a relational thing. It is the people that are in my life, and those are the people I'm sent to. 
And sometimes God does something really interesting. And like he did in our family's life, where he, he takes your child and he says, this child is going to change your sentence. Your child has autism. And what happens with autism is that the state's going to give you services. And what's going to happen is, is you're going to have 20 hours a week where there are going to be people you've never met before who come right into your house. Now, they're sent to you. And that's what happened. Some of you have told me that you have family members in retirement homes, nursing homes. And you walk into that nursing home more often than not thinking that I'm here because I have a family member I love. And I've heard two of you tell me what I learned was I wasn't there for my mom or my dad. I was there for the staff. God sent me to the staff of that nursing home. Sometimes God takes our circumstances and where we think we are going and he just turns our head and points us in a different way. And some of the relationships that we get are not the ones we thought we were going to get. We grow up in a neighborhood. We think, this is the people I'm sent to. And then he gives you another set of circumstances. He goes, no, this is where we're going right now. This relationship, these relationships are the relationships you're after now. I'm sending you here. I'm sending you here. That could be doctor's appointments. Going to the doctor every week, you see the same doctor or see the same person at the front desk. It could be lots of things. But God sends us to relationships, to relationships, all right? Now, you've heard me talk about this guy, right? You've heard us talk about him. You know what the story is with him. It's another overused illustration, but it just keeps working, so we're going to keep using it, all right? But, you know, this guy, this FedEx guy is delivering the message. He's delivering that package. That package belongs to him, I hope. You know, I hope it belongs to that gentleman right there. He's apparently from Chicago or like something in Chicago because wearing a Wrigley Field shirt. And, and, and so that gentleman in the uniform there that has the FedEx stuff all over him is delivering that package in his hand to that gentleman right there. That man right there is only a messenger. He's paid. It's his job to take that little envelope or take that... And he is paid to do his job. He is paid to make a delivery. He's given something and he says, this is yours, take and deliver it now. See this one right here? It was just delivered to me. This is mine now. That man right there just did his job. It has a label on it. It says my name on it right there, this address right here. This is mine. It was intended for me. In the context of our discussion today, what's inside is the gospel. It's been delivered. Now I want you to think about this. How many of us are thinking about the fact that we have a package and we're in an office, we're in a cul-de-sac, we're on a soccer team. We're in the bleachers. We're sitting in the dance studio. We're in a doctor's office. We're in a nursing home. And that we have a package. And that we're there for such a time as this. We're there with reason.
with purpose. We're there because someone we don't know yet has a dying, literally dying need for you to take this package and hand it off. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. Have we thought about that we were sent and that we are in places for such a time as this to deliver a message, to reach out in love, to say you'll pray for someone? Have you thought about your circumstance, your being sent in that way? Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you, and um, I confess that this week I had a delivery, and Lord, I do not know if it actually got made. And Lord, I think the room is full of us who are intimidated by the job of being the delivery of the gospel for lots of reasons. Lord, help our love for you to compel us to obey you and to consider how sent we are, where we are sent to, who we are sent to, and that we have no other option but to go there and to deliver our message. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. If you want to come up and chat, I'll be up here for a few minutes. Have a great day. All of our wives and moms will be home in about an hour.